0: On this week's episode of Carolina Sports Talk, you get your quick hits. My guy Jay from Hulk 721 Sports joins in. We'll talk a little bit of Lakers and we'll answer your emails. Let's go. May I have your attention, please? Welcome back. Welcome back. To another episode of Carolina Sports Talk. It's your man Big Cliff. As always, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you receive your podcasts. Make sure you hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, Cliff at Carolinasports or you can find me on Instagram. It's been a long time. I tell y'all that every week, but uh that's just because it's been a long time since I seen y'all. I miss y'all, man. I'm glad to be back with you guys. We got a good show planned for you today, Uh, so we're just going to jump straight into it. We're going to start the show off with a new segment, a little something I like to call quick hits, Uh, so without further ado... It's time for quick hits. We're just with quick hits, we're going to hit on a couple of stories that are trending now, give you a little opinion about them and on to the next one. So the first one is all 22 women suing Houston's Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson to disclose their names in an amended lawsuit. I think this is key because now we get to see who it really is. The entire time there's been something really really fishy about this and I honestly haven't been sure if, you know, if it happened, if it didn't happen. But um, th- with them having to disclose their names, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, the effects of who they are and how credible they may be. We already know that the lawyer is fishy, um, and that just is what it is. Tennessee, State's tig- uh, Tennessee State Tigers are calling Eddie George to be their next head coach. Uh, this seems like it's going to be a, ten- a trend for many of these HBCU programs out here to get these big named NFL players to not just help in recruitment, but to just really help with the institutions overall. As you may recall, recently, uh, Jackson State University hired prime time to be their head coach. And although they've currently got a record of three and three right now after falling this past weekend, um, it already valued they saw They saw an increased value of their program. Something to the tune of like $15 million of evaluation just with him being on the name. So they won their first three and then have dropped their last three. But at the end of the day, he just got there in January. um, Hadn't had the time to really build his program. I think in the fall when they actually play a full season. They're going to see some improvements with him um, there in uh, Jackson State. And even with this Tennessee State, I think this could be a good look for Eddie George. We know he spent most of his career there in uh, Tennessee, and just his name in the recruiting avenues is going to do and mean a lot. Uh, Tom Brady sends his heartfelt message to New England's Patriot Julian Edelman, who announced his retirement from the NFL. Now, I don't know why Tom Brady is even tricking us, trying to make us believe that he is not out here. Hey, yo, Julian, man, you sure them legs ain't where they need to be? Y'all do not believe the hype. I promise you. He's showing this love because that's his man and everything, and we get it. But I wouldn't be surprised if around, let's say, October, Julian Edelman suddenly somehow makes some miraculous recovery and is back in the NBA, excuse me, in the NFL with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So as we move forward, the Mets win their doubleheader opener, uh, edging the Phillies 4-3. to three. I could pick the Mets, even though I'm a Yanks fan, for this reason. The Mets are going to be something to be uh, beheld. They are going to be a great team this year, and I'm really, really excited for them. Uh, we'll see how they, you know, if they're able to live up to the hype. But they had a really great offseason with a lot of great signings and everything, and I honestly believe that they are going to be a team to be able to be reckoned with. Uh, Brandon Schneider to become Golden State's Warriors president and COO at the end of the season. Now, that's a big thing for us because as we are Carolina Sports Talk, he's got some Carolina connections to North Carolina. So shout out to Mr. Schneider. We hope that you know what I'm saying, you, you're able to go and really help the Golden State Warriors recover. We know that they have been a team that have been um, down the last two years, man, our injuries have just desolated them, and like really just not let them be who they need to be. But we are really hoping that they are able to come back and be what they can be. Rozier, Cody Zeller,
1: offensive rebound. Bridges, oh my God!
0: Oh, what? what? Now, if you missed that Miles Bridges dunk that they were talking about just now, you missed, ooh, ooh, a nasty one. Honestly, I, I talked a couple of weeks ago about the Anthony Edwards dunk and how that just seemed like it was going to be the dunk of the year. And boy, was I wrong. Mr. Miles Bridges, the Charlotte Hornets' very own posterized Clint Capella And what honestly couldn't be explained is nothing other than a ferocious dunk. And it's going to be a a dunk of fun for the dunk of the year between those two because that thing was mean. If you hadn't seen it, you can check out the Carolina Sports Talk Instagram page. I'll make sure I put a video of it up there. But, uh, yeah, shout-out to Miles Bridges, man, because he was out here trying to just make Clint Capella, who is a really good defender, look bad, man. So shout-out to him. And lastly, in our quick hits, we are going to go back to the NBA Nuggets star Jamal Murray is out indefinitely with a torn ACL in his left knee. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to Jamal Murray. I love the way that he plays the game. Uh, He does it the right way with a lot of heart and tenacity. my guy be balling out there, man. So we definitely want to wish a quick shout out to him and a speedy recovery as well. So that's going to do us for this week's uh, quick hits. But... I got something special for you. All right. And for my next segment, I've got a very special guest here with me today. The Lyrical Laker himself, Mr. Frozen Panther, Jay from Hulk 721 Sports. Make some noise. Welcome to what's the up,
1: show. What's up? What's up? Bro. Oh, my bad. What's up, everybody? Good to be here. How's everybody feeling?
0: Man, we good out here, Bubba. Let's got to have you here with us, man. We are excited. I figured nothing better than to talk with the Lakers than the Lyrical Laker, as I mentioned, himself. So we're just going to jump straight into it. Uh, For those of you who know, last week we were talking that we were highly in alert for the Lakers and how those guys were over there in New York collecting the Infinity Stones. But man, oh man, we had a game with the Los Angeles Lakers ending up knocking off the, the Nets with a score of 126 to 101. And in true Lakers fashion turned around Monday night. And lost to the Knicks 111 to 96. Mm-hmm. But, Big J, we noticed, uh, and you mean you talked about it off air, but uh, there was a little scuff up between your man Kyrie Irving and Dennis Schroeder. Uh, Kyrie apparently was kind of upset and took some offense to something. Uh, and as in true form of a Kyrie and many of this generation, he took straight to Twitter. Uh, his Twitter post says, quote, The N-word is a derogatory racial slur, exclamation point. It will never be a term of endearment. It will never be reclaimed, flipped. Uh, We must never forget its foul and true history. Throw that N-word out of the window right alongside with all of those other racist words used to describe my people. We are not slaves or ends. Now, of course, because everybody else is playing Twitter director, Twitter uh, detective and everything. They went straight to say, well, is that what he said? And started piecing together and realized that, in fact, it is accused that Dennis Schroeder said that word to Kyrie and caused the blow up. So, first of all, let's talk about it. Tell me what your thoughts are. If Schroeder said it to him, did Kyrie overreact? Was he reasonable in his reaction? Uh, And then tell me what you think about the word itself.
1: Um, So I will say, you know, my whole perspective on the word itself goes back to, you know, obviously the historical, uh, you know, way it was used and everything. I don't want to get too much into it, but we understand the negative connotations that come with the word. We also understand that there's some people that feel like uh, they can repurpose the word and use the word in whatever way uh, they deem necessary. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's kind of one of those things where I think we can all agree that the word had, you know, negative origins, but... I, I don't necessarily feel like he should have reacted the way he did, you know, um, even if that was the, the case. I can understand that. But let's be honest, like, you know, for to say racist connotations like he is a man that is of African descent as well. So regardless of whether he comes from a different country or whatever the case may be, he has the same genetic line that you have, um, you know, or, or similarly, Kyrie. So it's not like someone was saying that in a way to like be derogatory or put you down. In such a way. And it's like, Kyrie, people say that word, they throw that word around. Um, you know, in certain environments. So let's be honest, we've all played like sports or whatever, and you know, that sometimes people speak freely. So it's like, is that what you chose to kind of get upset about and try to fight somebody over? Or basically, like you wanted to make a point that bad? Like, do you think you're gonna control the rest of the world to where another person of African American descent, right or wrong, if they say that you're gonna fight everybody? I just thought it was um, you know, Kyrie just kind of picking his chances to go. You know, uh, from zero to one thousand. And um, once again, I can understand him being offended by the word and not liking it, and that's completely fine. I, I can, you know, I can support that. But then there's a better way to say it. You could be like, "Bro, you don't have to, you know, call me that. Let's be better than that, or whatever." I've said stuff like that to people, but then now try to fight him, and actually, the word represents like ignorant person. So it's not to say, you know, that's what it's supposed to mean historically. So it's not to say that him saying that means that, um, you know, he's going to fight you or whatever. But it is what it is.
0: Yeah. And I agree. Um, I I will admittedly say that I'm one of the ones that uh, (laughs) in certain circumstances has tried to kind of reclaim the word, so to say. Uh, And then people say, well, what do you do if somebody of the opposite um, nationality or race from you says the word? Like you just mentioned, I don't give it any power personally. Uh, And so it doesn't bother me. I have said it. There was a period of my time where that was one of my favorite words. And so I wholeheartedly agree. Now, where I disagree with you is that if he feels that strongly about it, I I don't have a problem with him reacting in the way that he did. Now, granted, I think he Mm might have... And this just might be Big Cliff talking. And once again, this is Carolina Sports Talk. I'm your man, Big Cliff. Got with me, Jay of Hulk721Sports. But I honestly believe that if he felt some kind of way about it, he can absolutely go on. Now, you mentioned the fighting component. I don't think he thought for one second he was actually going to get his hands on Dennis Schroeder. I don't think he for one second... Even (laughs) had the intentions of really like throwing them things like that. I just really Mm -hmm. think Kyrie, being Kyrie, wanting to put on for a show. I saw, uh, I talked with one person off air and they was like, he's just a new guy. He's just with the new stuff. And I wholeheartedly agree. Also, he knew that they was going to get, they they was going to take that L that they, you know what I'm saying, got in the end end of it. They was going to get their head bust the way they were. So why not go ahead and say, you know what? I'm taking the night off. I'm good. So, uh, yeah, again, I agree.
1: And, and, and you know what, uh, Big Cliff, I'll say this too. like You're right. Um, and I think we both knew he wasn't going to do much about it. But don't step to people because somebody will try him and, and, and call him that just to, you know,
0: put hands on him, see if he wants it. So you need to chill out for that. That is the thing. I think you mentioned that when we had initial conversations about it. That now that people know that's a sore spot for him, you got some folks who are going to call him that just to get him out of his mm-hmm. game. It's like, come on, Kyrie, you got to be better than that, man. But um, we'll see how that turns out. If there's anything that comes back and bounces back to Dennis Schroeder, because we know that the league is real certain sensitive about certain words and things of that nature. So if they if somebody files a, a, an official complaint, then that could be something that could come back at him, and he end up seeing some some type of retribution, whether it be a fine. I don't know if they'll go as far as to suspend him, but uh, we definitely know that the Lakers do not need that um we have walking mass unit man and so we need all our players that we can to be able to get back and get healthy along that lines you know lebron james is still out with his injury um as well as ad what do you think the lakers are looking like for the rest of the season man you think the fellas will be able to get back healthy and we'll still be able to be the team that we need to be um i definitely believe we will you know
1: i think that um a lot of things, you know, happens for a reason. For instance, us, you know, you know uh, getting Drummond and a few other players that, you know, we were kind of worried about being out. I think it's a lot of things that if we look at as things could be just a blessing in disguise. Uh, you got LeBron and AD. I'm just going to be an honest person. I'm a Laker fan. I don't care about the rest of the world, how they feel about certain things. I'm going to be real. I want for my boys to be well rested and ready to play. This is the shortest offseason season. Like, whatever, if I'm not mistaken? Oh, yeah,
0: definitely. So
1: these guys did not have a fair time to celebrate a championship, to relax, to, you know, rejuvenate their bodies. And, you know, they had to come back so quickly. Um, LeBron is older, so we have to be careful with him. it's his 18th year now? AD, um, he's good, but he's a little bit injury prone when he's playing um, center so much. So now we've got Andre Drummond in there that can take the load off of that. AD doesn't have to worry about playing center. Um, I love Marcus All, but... Let's just be honest, he needed that help. Trez is too small to kind of, you know, fill those gaps like that. So I'm looking at it like uh, this allowed for the players to kind of gel together without the superstars because we already know what they're going to bring to the table when they get back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, and it's, it's a good thing because we need them back soon. Um, Woj from ESPN was reporting that uh, in the next anywhere from 10 to 14 days, the, the AD should be back and then LeBron should be right back behind him. Uh, I know we saw that... Um, we got injuries all the way around with THT having a little brief scare for a second. Um, And even with some of the other ones with Kuzma missing time recently, as you mentioned with Gasol, seeming like he made a glass, man. like <laughs> Yeah. We going to have to get some folks back and get them healthy in the long run real quick. I'm not worried about LeBron. Like you said, he's a specimen. I think he's just as old, taking his time and they're doing what they need to do. The one I'm really worried about, Anthony Davis. Um, mm. He has been injury prone throughout his career. LeBron, not as much. Um, but it's just been a time with the Lakers this season. When we first came into the season, as you mentioned, that super short um, time turnaround from the end of last season to this one, and then then still being in the midst of the pandemic, that's what I expected to kind of put the most hurt on us, but these injuries have done more than us than the virus and even the virus protocols, man. So we wish everybody just a a, a get well soon, man, because we know that Denver is coming, even with um, Jamal Murray, being out, um, and, and some of you may or may not have heard, he was diagnosed late Monday with a uh, torn ACL. He will likely Ooh. be out for the rest of the season. Uh, and if at the minimum, even if he's able to come back for the for the um, playoffs, which I highly doubt, he's not going to be able to be back at full strength, man. Um, the Nets have seen like the, a lot of their players out for a long time. So injuries the whole season and, and with all the teams are a big effect. But, you know, the Lakers, we've seen more than our fair share of it. So... We will see what happens with that, and we'll keep an eye on it to move forward from there. Now, Big J Wild, I got you, man. I'm going to go ahead and dig in my mailbag. It is mail time here on Sports Talk. I'm excited. Let's go. All right. So my first email comes from a good friend, Adrian Griffin. Adrian writes, thank you. Oh, nope. That's the wrong one. Let's get the right email from Adrian. Shout out to Adrian. What's up? Yeah, definitely. Big shout out to Adrian. But Adrian writes, yay, we got a quarterback. I'm a diehard Carolina Panthers fan, uh, and you spoke on us being in good position to be in the playoffs. However, what do you think our chances are of winning the Super Bowl? Now, thank you, Adrian, uh, for your email to cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. I will make sure to get your magnet out in the mail to you. Uh, So, Adrian, I think we honestly are in great position to win the Super Bowl. However, comma, I don't know if it's going to be this season. Now, if you're going to give me and break down windows, I definitely think in the next three years, if we continue to make the kinds of moves that we've made this year and and so far in this all season. uh, When the new GM came in, he said, Jim Scott said, I am going to be. Competitive. We are going to be active and we are going to be aggressive in this market. And they have done just that. So uh, every move that they've made from signing Sam Darnold, even to signing the quarterback, excuse me, the cornerback that we just got. I honestly believe every move they're making is to get the best people that they feel possible to fit our holes now, which once the draft comes, allows us to be that much more aggressive in the mentality of best available players. So, Jay, what do you think about it so far? And what do you think the chances are for the Panthers to win that Super Bowl in the next three years? Um, Well, firstly, I think you putting
1: it in the context of the next three years makes me feel a lot more comfortable with that to begin with. Okay. Um, Just because I'm with you on that. I do feel like, um, you know, a lot of times people are thinking like, well, all of these changes that we're seeing, does that mean, is that equate Super Bowl? I don't think people realize like Super Bowl, um, not to say that Adrian doesn't realize this, so I'm sure she does, but a lot of people um, don't realize like the formula that it takes. And it takes like, I hate to say it, luck. And, you know, it's a war of attrition and so many things. Um, I really believe that the idea that Tepper has of, you know, starting from the ground up and really, you know, hiring the right coach and that coach bringing in the right people and now what's kind of making the changes, GM-wise and everything, those things are going to lead to the long-term success of the team. Um, And I do believe that, you know, for him, the Super Bowl, the bus, you have somebody who's a former owner of the Steelers, he wants to win like with his team that he completely owns. Mm-hmm. So I think that he's going to go with everything he has. Um, But I believe he's going to be smart about it, not overpaying players and really selling people on the culture of coming here and winning. I think if we can continually do that and uh, really, I would say, maybe develop um, our quarterback now and really just kind of put the right pieces around him really old line wise, I would say, too,
0: okay. I think we have a chance. Yeah, I agree. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in the GM's chair for a second. I want you to put the cap mm-hmm. on, knowing everything that you have signed so far with AJ Boye, firming up some of the defense moves, the offensive linemen, everybody that you've got now. With the eighth overall pick in this year's draft, who are you selecting for the Panthers? <sighs> this is something that's been kind of like keeping me up at night
1: um, just okay. because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about. The eighth overall. And then now I can't help but say, okay, I got McCaffrey like expectations with eight overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say right now, it's just been such a fluid thing with all this quarterback stuff is going on, all these changes and everything that's making, you know, it's going on. I, I I really feel most comfortable saying I would take a lineman, O lineman. I'm not sure, um, you know, who just because of the shifting, and I'm not sure if anyone would go first. I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't, but I had a conversation about this other day, and I said, this. I just really feel that with everything that we've done leading up into this point, it's like, well, what do we fortify? So mm-hmm. we have the right weapons, as far as like we got receivers. Hopefully, we're able to uh, retain everyone that was on the squad from last year. You got, got people that's played with uh, coach at this point. You got Robbie. You got Brave Young mm-hmm. Roy. You mm-hmm. got uh, what's my man named Hassan Reddick. We just signed. I'm so excited about that because I watched this dude play at Temple. He is a savage, and I feel like he just hasn't had the right real opportunity. So with all of those signings, it just makes me comfortable to where I'm saying, well, where are we weak at still? We're fortifying the defense. We're filling up those gaps now. We got A.J. Boy. like you said. I'm feeling like this is a time to draft strong old linemen that can, you know, be those old linemen for the future because any great quarterback is protected well. So, you know, we don't want to have, you know, anybody scrambling around like him. So let's— yeah, I I feel comfortable saying, I would say maybe even double down first and second round, O-line.
0: Mm, okay, okay. So I'm going to actually be, give a little shocker here. Uh-oh. I honestly believe that if things work out, because I, I said last week on the, on the show that I would love to see Pitts fall to us. That would just, oh, man, mm. I could go to sleep with a smile on my face on the draft day if we get Pitts in the first round. But I realize that he may not be. But with the way that a lot of these mock drafts have it falling, um, most people have the 10th pick being traded out for the Patriots to select uh, a, a quarterback who has shown himself to be tough, a quarterback who has shown himself to be just a cerebral guy, and... I think there's no reason for him to have fallen as low as they have him prognosticated to do so, but I would say bump it with the eighth pick. If he is there, we should draft Justin Fields. I am 1000%. Yes. Le- listen, and here's why. I think Sam Donald has the intangibles to, to be able to be what and who we need him to be. However, comma, my mind goes directly back to uh, a scenario several years ago when the Seattle Seahawks signed Matt Flynn to a three-year, nineteen million dollar deal, and then in that very same, the very next draft, as just some backup, they then with the third pick, excuse me, the third round pick, number seventy-five overall, they drafted a young man by the name of Russell Wilson. Now they they had some high hopes for him, and they really thought that young man would be something. But they knew that Matt Flynn, according to them, was supposed to be their franchise quarterback. They gave him the franchise quarterback money, and they and even the, the length of the deal really showed that that's who they were expecting. Matt Flynn was coming off an amazing season where he was coming in and filling in for um, Rodgers in Green Bay and just was balling out. And so Seattle said, "Hey, what's the what's the worst that could happen? We get this kid." Um, Russell out here, he comes, he's a good backup, or if he's good, you know, we got somebody down the line, and he came in, and he wowed them, and he ended up taking that job away from Matt Flynn, who was supposed to be their franchise quarterback, if at number eight, we've got a gentleman who, at the minimum, could take that time and sit behind a guy coming out of, you know, saying understandably out of a situation where he may not have been put in the best place position uh, in New York to be able to showcase his talents. he's We saw flashes, but he may not have been placed in the best position. We get that. So Sam has an option to go, come out and prove himself. But if with the number eight pick we select Justin Fields, not only does he have that motivation to say, I've got weapons and I can prove myself, but now you've got a, a quarterback of the likes of Justin Fields sitting behind him and pushing him, and the competition is there. And if Justin is head and shoulders above him, hey, we've got a two-year backup in Sam Darnold that can be able to be there and be an effective quarterback and be effective backup. But now we got a guy who is proving himself and won out in the competition. So I 1,000% believe that if Justin Fields is sitting there for us at eight, we need to draft him.
1: I got to tell you this. Um, you got me thinking right now because Kyle Pitts – like, and I've kind of, I don't know why, for whatever reason, I just kind of ignore tight end. But we have not filled, you know, our gap at tight end yet. So you got me thinking about that. And then Justin Fields, one thing I like about him is he's been compared lately to a lot of these, like, quarterbacks that came from Ohio. And I remember him saying, like, hey, the only thing the same about us is we wore the same uniform. Like, don't judge me based on that. And I feel like he has a chip on his shoulder. So that does really make me feel like, you know, if we were to get him, because, you know, everybody wanted Trevor and everything. But from what I've seen, uh, you know, that will create a lot of uh, competition within the quarterback position there. But you're right. Now, I do want to ask you, because I, I know like the guy like Jalen Waddle, people was talking about possibly a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I personally don't want to see another wide receiver unless he's Julio Jones reincarnated. I don't want to see <laughs> just straight up saying like, because I, I love DJ Moore. Shout out, I'm a Terrapin. So, I, I, you know, DJ Moore, all these guys, we got great receivers, but it's like, unless we have the true number one that's taking you know top off these defenses and they're gone, I don't want to see that. So I really, to me, it just now, if I'm thinking about it, yeah, Justin Fields, Kyle Pitts are probably those two best choices. You know, um, I would say if they fall for us, if the cards fall that way.
0: And honestly, though, I, I'm, and, and, I, and I mentioned this last week, I honestly believe that we are in the best position that we could possibly be right now with the eighth pick. Because with everybody, the top five, I'm almost willing to bet that if we don't get a quarterback, it's because five of them went in the top five there are some guys out here um with their mock drafts saying that they expect more trades than ever before because there are so many serviceable and high quality quarterbacks that we could see five of them go in the top in the top five but if that if that in fact happens you now have all of these quality quality players that are going to fall to us i mean because like even with at the fifth pick with the Bengals having that pick they're going almost definitely offensive lineman Suel is just going to be just too much for them to give up unless somebody True. with a maybe top 12-ish type pick trades up to get a quarterback. And, and I could see a New England kind of giving up a little bit more than they want to to maybe get into one of those spots. But even if all of that happens with all these different scenarios, there's still a lot of good players out here. You mentioned to um, the tight end position. Yes, I would love to see Kyle Pitts. I honestly believe he is going to be one of those players that is going to be transcendent at that position. And for that to be one of our greatest needs, I could see that. But there's also a lot of quality tight ends in this draft. In this draft, uh, The Pat uh, Freermouth or whatever his name is, out of Penn State, is a monster. Now, is he going to go and be getting a whole bunch of 15-yard average games or anything like that? No. But is he going to be a dog and be able to block and be able to go out here and catch you Six balls for maybe five or six yards per and then turn around and just continually and consistently move the chains? Absolutely. And he's going to be available for us in the second round. And so even if we didn't address that there, that's something that would definitely be able to put us in the position. Um, Brevin, jo- Bre- Brevin Jordan out of Miami. He's another one. He's a, a, a little bit more stalky than your Kyle Pitts and again not going to be able to be one of the ones that's going to give you the wow yards but for what we need he is absolutely going to be a good fit and so if we go that way if we go offensive lineman in the first round we are honestly put in the best position with what they have done in this uh, offseason and free agency to be able to move forward and really 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 take the cake so I am happy about the draft. I know no matter where we go with it, like I said, it's going to be some good stuff for the Carolina Panthers. And to wrap it up on Adrian's question, in the next three years, the Carolina Panthers will be primed to not only make that playoff run we talked about, but we will win a Super Bowl. You heard it here first. All right, so as we continue on with our uh, emails for today, the next one comes from Pastor Polak, my my preacher, um, he mentioned a uh, Jap that the email's title says Japanese golfer wins Augusta. And for those of you who might've missed that, the masters this way was uh, this year rather was won by Hideki Matsui, uh, a gentleman who has been on the tour for a long time, but he's quietly been working towards like an elite place in the sport over the last few years. So shout out to him. Uh, but the email goes on to say, what stops the African-American community from seeking the sport of golf? Um, and then he's got a couple other things but we will we'll slowly get into those first let's 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 tackle his first question uh jay you you're you're a sports lover i know you you lean more towards your football and basketball but mm-hmm. if you would tell me a little bit about your your perspective on golf uh, are you a fan of it do you ever a thought about it and just kind of we'll go from there um well so i definitely
1: would say i'm i'm definitely a a fan of golf now definitely not to the extent that i you know watch basketball, football and everything, but I appreciate golf. And that really comes from the fact that um, my father made sure that I was familiar with the game when I was younger. We would Mm -hmm. go to the driving range. I had those experiences. I watched um, an example of, you know, Tiger Woods, you know, taking over that as a child. So the same way I got to see, um, you know, the representation, that's the thing that's important about everything, superheroes, sports or whatever. Um, People in general, we live vicariously through the athletes that we look up to. And if we don't see like a representation with them or the people that we look up to or our leaders, then it's like, you know, why would we necessarily want to be drawn into that if we feel like we can't relate? Um, I do believe that a lot of things similar to maybe something like hockey was, wasn't was really pushed as much. But when I when I saw Mighty Ducks as a kid, it made me want to at least try it or think <laughs> about it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, so so, so it's definitely one of those things where I feel like, you know, the more representation we have, the better. But honestly, it's a sport to where people don't realize some sports are more about finesse and not about aggression and super athleticism, but the skill. And, you know, these are sports you can play into older ages and everything. So I feel like it really hasn't been as represented to the black community or it's always like that one person that did it. If we can make it more regular,
0: um, I think it would draw more people in. You're yeah, absolutely correct. I, I think back to I never was a sport uh, golf fan myself personally until Tiger hit the game, Um, and Mm -hmm. it's just it is undeniable the effect that he, being an African American man now, you know we're not going to argue about his mixed mixed ethnicity or anything like that, but he's a black man, and to see him dominating the way that he did made me interested in it, and it actually spurred a lot of African Americans towards the game, Um, and I, I think that in the years recent as he and his dominance have seemed to not be as present on the scene, then they have been less and less that have been drawn towards that. Uh, there are still some who are actually at their point. Uh, Mr. Mister uh, Kamaya Johnson is another one, 27-year-old, uh, who has been trying to get on to the, to, to the tour. Um, and he's had some early success, but he's also had some struggles because he's a guy who literally is like, yo... I don't have the money that some of these other pros have to be in every other city every other day for these tournaments. And then if I don't perform well, then my money doesn't get to come back to me like like some of these other ones does. So he's had his struggles. Uh, He has he was sponsored to be able to be on a tour event um, recently back in February. And so we hope and wish him much success because, again, as you mentioned, as that representation is there then we will definitely start to see more and more start to be uh, attentive and want to actually be a part of the game. So as we move on in the email, the next portion, because Pastor came with some heat questions this week. Uh, The next one says, what do your listeners think about boycotting the Georgia future sports events? Should they unite with Will Smith and other professionals who see Georgia's regression of voting rights as a challenge to the other states to do the same? So for those of you who may not be aware, this is a relatively uh, unique situation. So Georgia lawmakers have enacted a new law that does um, a lot to essentially suppress (laughs) the black vote is what it feels like. Um, This new law that's come out in a 98 page legislation um, does things like expand uh, early voting rights in most Georgia uh, counties the ids are now required not just for in person but also for mail in voting uh they got it where you got to have your id to be able to send in a mail in vo- mail in ballot uh, certain things like non poll workers um can't, like can't distribute anything in line so no, like with georgia having some of the longest lines and it being hot out there people were coming and volunteering their time to give waters well the non poll work non poll workers can't do anything and even the self um they i think it says that, like the self service water stands are allowed, but like people can't just come net, come and give water bottles to people who are in line. Now, in COVID, you don't want to be messing with a lot of that, but anyway, essentially, what it's doing is suppressing voters. They were big mad with everything that's happened with regards to the recent um, outcomes of the election for the state of Georgia and how it switched colors from red to blue, and even uh, just oppressing the black vote there in that state. And as a result, sports have begin to, uh, begun to ban. The All-Star Game was moved from Atlanta. The MLB All-Star Game was moved. Um, and there are other sports that are looking to ban and boycott the state of Georgia until they get it right uh, with our president. The president of the United States even stepping into it and saying, hey, I admonish and I, and I really want to recognize the sports figures and all the everybody famous for the responsible decision-making that they're doing, because if they see something that's not the way that they want it, they're not going and rioting. They're not going and trying to tear stuff up. They're being responsible to say, no, this isn't right. This isn't fair. Um, and, th- and so we're going to do something about it. So with that, what are your thoughts about it, Big J? You know,
1: um, well, firstly, before I say that, I did want to just uh, circle back really quickly. When we were talking about golf, uh, one more thing I wanted to add to that. When I worked, uh, when I was, you know, teaching at a school in Washington, DC, um, pretty rough area. And, you know, gentrification, you know, it's different people moving in different places, or whatever. But um, right around the corner uh, from the school that I taught at a very rough area, like the Kenilworth area, like, you know, Mayfair and all that, people who familiar know about it. It was like this driving range that wasn't far from there. And very rarely when I drove by there would I see people from the community there. And um, it's one of those things where, you know, when you're teaching, you want to be, you know, take your kids everywhere to do everything. And I always wanted to be able to take some of my students there to you know, show them that and you know, just allow them to kind of try something different and see something in their community, uh, much like uh, one of my friends who taught the kids in this community how to skateboard and was able to kind of guide them away because maybe all of them weren't meant to play basketball, but they had something else. So that's something I always wish I could do, maybe I'll do later. But now, um, really, to address the what you were saying about the uh, Georgia sports, I'm un- 100% agreeance of that. Like, not only, you know, as a black man who comes from South Carolina, who I'm proud to be from my state, um, but I understand the unfortunate uh, prejudices that come along with being, you know, pretty much anywhere, but heavily focused in the South. Um, You know, I grew up, you know, being in a situation where people would love a sports figure, but would not allow this person to come into their home or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And all of these things are unfortunate, but it's the truth of it. So I stand firmly on the side of being right. I stand firmly on the side of the people. And I don't like the cowardly ways or the backhanded ways that, you know, uh, politicians will try to do different things. Like, you know, you want to force, you know, not force, but you want to highlight or, or stand on the shoulders of democracy. But when democracy takes action and you don't like the way it turns out, then we start throwing, you know, temper tantrums and fits and trying to find different ways to undermine. And I feel like, you know, I'm not surprised by these things, unfortunately, because when you grow up and you see these things with your own two eyes, you know it, you expect it, but it's time something be done. So the only way sometimes you get a point across is by affecting people's bottom line, which is their dollar. And the same way the young ladies did not appreciate how they were treated uh, with the WNBA, and they stood and they fought, and she was removed from that position. I don't even remember her name. I don't even care to remember her name. I feel like things have to be done because we have to see that change can happen. So, um, absolutely, and by really standing firm on that, um, because if you think about it, Georgia ge- generates a lot of money from you know, uh, college was it, uh, Georgia Bulldogs and everything, mm-hmm. uh, but. Mm-hmm if we start to really affect this bottom line and people start to stand firm and say I will openly speak against you and not support you then what do they have to do but change at that point because now they're losing millions
0: of dollars already in the middle of a pandemic right and and and, and it's proven that it happens when it happens it, it it affects the pockets. You mentioned mm-hmm. us being from South Carolina. We saw what the effects of the flag being on the top of the state house, and then yes. the NCAA saying, Yeah, as long as it's there, we will not allow any tournaments to come to the state. We saw the mm-hmm. effects of the bottom line dollar and how long they were able to do that. And so as he mentioned in the email. Other states have to step up and continue to do that to say, listen, when we see that there's something wrong, we will affect your bottom line and we will not allow you to be able to just profit off of your uh, antiquated ideals and perspectives and try to oppress people of color. Uh, We're not even going to touch the shooting because I I just don't have the emotional capital to be able to deal with that Mm -hmm. right now. But even the way that it affects and for them to not play a game, that's money that really is big-time money that has its effects and everything. So we really hope for the best and wish that these people start realizing that that their time for them to just bully people of color in America is done. These athletes who work for them to be able to showcase their talents and to make all these millions of dollars, they have clout. They have power. They have a voice. And they will be heard. And people will follow them. So absolutely. Absolutely. His email concludes, uh, it's amazing to see how the pastimes of the country have become big news as these topics move our nation. So, Pastor, we appreciate you. Uh, he told mm-hmm. me I'll catch you Thursday or late Wednesday night after Bible study. Yes, sir. I'll see you then. <laughs> uh, and we appreciate you for the email. But, yeah, it's, it's amazing how the politicians can feel like just whatever they want to do and whatever they have to, you know, try to manipulate people, it's just going to be okay. Sports are not going to have it. Anymore. Well, Big J, I appreciate you coming out with me and being on the show today. Uh, do you have anything you want to highlight to people?
1: Uh, first off, always a pleasure to be here. Appreciate y'all, Karen. Uh, you know, having me. Um, just want to tell everybody: just continue to, uh, you know, remember that all these things are connected. You know, sports, life. Um, you know, we want to be the best, and all we want to celebrate each other, but we want to make sure we respect each other. Big Cliff, I appreciate you all the time, and um, y'all make sure y'all continue to support this this amazing show, man. Much respect, brother. Appreciate it.
0: Well, that's going to do us for today's episode of Carolina Sports Talk. Uh, I appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you hit us up next week. You can, as always, listen to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, Cliff, at carolinasportstalk.net. Or you can find me on Instagram, at carolina sports talk. Until next week, I'm your man, Bay Cliff. Peace.